100% moving all of this because I'm Is that our safe one now? <laughs> cutting, cutting. Obviously, cutting you have form. to cut that. Obviously. Oh. We are better people than this, and I am not doing this. Okay. I'm the better one. <laughs> I'm the one who's in abject horror. I'm good now. Okay. You know, a lot of hours go into our recording sessions, whether they be over Zoom or in person or at a park, maybe a zoo. And sometimes, for one reason or another, things just don't end up making it into the podcast, but that's where the cutting room floor comes in. In this episode, we were talking about latter days, but Stuart had a very interesting question that we all had an answer to. Take a listen, and I'll be back at the end of the episode. Can I ask us an odd question of an observation that I've made? And so, yeah. first and foremost, you're going to have a gay movie, there's the mom moment. And the mom moment can play it in a lot of different ways, but it's always really powerful because it's what helps you connect with the characters. It's something that even straight people can connect with because it comes down to the relationship between the parent and the child. Why is mm-hmm. the mother always a redhead? Give me a gay movie where the mother is not a redhead. What is that? Um, Love, Simon? I, I didn't see that. But that's a new movie. I think that's Isn't the... It? That's a new... You're not wrong. Hey, now that I think about it... Redhead. Another gay movie. It was yeah. a drag queen, Redhead. This movie, Redhead. Redhead. The mom from Queer Redhead. Spoke, Redhead. Will and Grace. Debbie fucking Allen. Grace is mom. Redhead. Redhead. How what interesting. I've never mom? thought about that. They're fiery. Yeah, something about the personality. Can I ask a, a really simple a question, actually? I want to actually ask this question. I've always wanted to ask this for these movies. Do you think that we, as 30-something or... Chad, are you in your 20s? You're 20, 20s. You look young. Yeah. Um, so young. I wish I was that young. Um, this light, I'm loving this light because it makes me look real, real like washed, no wrinkles on my face. Anyway, do you think that as 30 something men, that we have like watching these movies and seeing these kind of like our gay archetypes in movies as slutty, um, promiscuous men? who have this kind of culture, do you think that has informed the people that we are in our early 20s when we watch these movies, thinking that that was the, the way we had to be yes. in the gay community? The yeah. difference is, is that it wasn't informing who we had to be. It was showing me an option of we what could I be. could be. Uh, I right, yes. This, that I was like, like, I'm fairly certain I was still a virgin when, this had ha- when I watched this movie. Well, you would have been like 11. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I think we have a different conversation. If you were like, I wasn't a virgin, I was well seasoned. But just just like... (laughs) Seasoned spring chicken. You know, like you, everyone has a desire to feel attractive and to be desirable and to want to have sexual experiences. And I had a friend when I watched this movie, and I won't say his name because he probably already knows that it's him and he's gorgeous, but he just seemed to have everything and life just seems so easy for him and i never knew anyone who had abdominal muscles like that i grew up in newfoundland we didn't show our stomachs we didn't stomach we just this was outside of newfoundland but he just was very much like what i saw christian as and so it was always something of like i don't know like there's there's a lot of things about christian that i i really like and i i agree with and i support i like that he's incredibly comfortable with his body and his sexuality 
yes, it's easier because he's gorgeous and life is easier, but he's comfortable with his sexuality. He has learned to control his emotional attachments when it comes to meeting people. He's doing things on his own terms. It's only after he meets Aaron that he realizes, oh, this behavior that I've been engaged in isn't necessarily what I want. Because up until that point, this has absolutely been the life he has chosen for himself. Right? Mm -hmm. So Yeah, he's on his own. It's shallow looking at it back in retrospect. But I don't think at any point in the development, if you extrapolate Christian five or 10 years after this movie, that he would regret any of the behaviors that led up to the point of where the, the movie meets him. I, I agree oh, with you. I agree sense. with that. I, I, I also agree to Stuart's point that seeing movies like this at that time that were so crucial and, and in the development of just myself coming to Church Toronto, um, understanding my sexuality, coming to the city, seeing what it has to offer and then what I can be. There were so many different options, but seeing movies like Latter Days, But a Mature Leader, I saw like another gay movie and thought, I want to look like them. I want to be twink-like, wearing extra small shirts and hairless. And I am a thick, broad, hairy Italian boy. So like, so having to adjust myself to fit the standards that I thought that the community wanted at the time. And that's not to say like Queer as Folk was really bad for that too. I've never seen a movie like Chad, you remember and how insane it was that he thought gay life was Queer as Folk because that's the only window into it that he ever experienced people, living in gay life is like queer as folk this life yeah that, it's just not realistic living i know people who have and are living that life we live yeah. that now <laughs> i i'm not saying it's bad i'm not i don't want anyone to misinterpret what i'm saying is i think it's a bad thing i'm just saying do you think that these informed our decisions going into our 20s because after high school like, a lot of gay men going into their 20s are experiencing what we quote unquote would call our teenage years in our 20s we couldn't experience those in our in high school if we didn't have these archetypes we didn't have these shows to kind of show us what gay um gay life is do you think we would all do you think it'd be different for us because the, nowadays you see more fully formed gay men oh yeah and not just fully formed gay men so the, the late 90s and early 2000s were an interesting way to create how gay men and how gay women saw themselves. The only way they could see someone like them for a lot of people was watching movies and TV. Right. Will and Grace is a perfect example of how you, anyone at any given point is one of those characters in their life forever. 100%. But as a young gay man, I honestly thought every, every lesbian wore plaid and was a carpenter in some way or looked like Ellen or looked like a very thick or looked like Rosie O'Donnell. It was one or the other. There was no other, like no other choices. And then when something like Queer as Folk came around where it was like, you have to look like one of these thin white men doing one of these very specific traits, whether you're a geek or a sex addict. But what I appreciate now, the people who were raised with that understanding of this is what you should be, realize this is not. And they've created a much broader scope to show very yeah. different people. It's not just gay and lesbian, it's trans, it's queer, it's androgynous, it's two-spirit. They have all these options to really showcase a wide spectrum of people that you can be and are. The new She-Ra cartoon is so different from the original She-Ra and I am not 
in any way an expert on that show. Neither am I. Literally. <laughs> Four episodes into that show, I texted Chad and I said, is everyone in this show queer and androgynous in some way? Because it just seems like there is no, there's no boy meets girl. It is, it doesn't matter what you are. And I love that. I love that shows like, um, uh, Steven Universe, She-Ra, Love, Simon. Like they're giving you all these young, impressionable, queer people options. And so here's a little bit of insight we... that I'm going okay. to choose to agree or disagree. So the situation is, is that the representation of, I'm not trying to be exclusionary in any way, but just as a general commentary, is that representation comes in incremental steps. And so we are looking at these sorts of archetypal characters with the perspective of existing in a world where it's okay and easy to present someone a full-fledged way. But this still was came out in 2004, 2003. The world has changed significantly Four. Four. since then. And the way that these characters could be portrayed and what would be accepted by audiences, what people would feel comfortable with, is different. And so for them to try and put in all of the things about personification, characterization into these sorts of characters at the time would have been much more difficult and harder to swallow. Like it goes back to the comment that I made earlier where if the people who were in this film weren't as ridiculously beautiful as they are, would we still be watching and caring about it? Because at that time it was, this is the safe way to inject gay representation into media. So originally it was like, okay, well we can inject lesbians because that's not threatening to anyone and they can be beautiful straight looking women who make out with each other and then we can start introducing lumberjack women because that's non-threatening to people and because it's a woman men aren't as offended by it because they can see them in a different way and then we're starting to see the evolution of how gay men are portrayed in media because women and men had different journeys in regards to the representation of their sexuality spectrum in media and and this is how it was started. And so, unfortunately, a lot of the things which we now recognize to be failures and shortcomings in the way that we view and see and discuss gay men and their bodies was put forward here because that was the easiest thing to sell. It would have been much harder, I think, at this time for them to sell this story with more normal-looking people. I think. Well, I think you're onto something there. I think to sell anything, it has to be palatable. And really attractive white men at this time was the most palatable option. I think that's what you can see throughout all so of TV and, and history. It, it's very sad. And it's something you can see in Queer as Folk as well, where there wasn't a representation of any sort of person of color. But I think that, I think Chad has a really good point. I think, I'm not saying necessarily that. Um, anything was done wrong. I, my question was more to like the audience is like, do you think the choices we would have made as younger uh, babies would have been different if we had that holistic understanding that there are, that orientation and sexuality are a spectrum rather than a set um, characterization of what that looks like. And it's usually, and I will say that in the early 2000s and late 90s, that characterization was overly sexualized men who were unable to have monogamous relationships whereas lesbians were always we're portrayed down two weeks later they're married with like 
right cats yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly so i think it's an interesting i i completely agree with you chad i i can i do i just it was more of just an interesting comment because as you see these movies and the movies that came out at that time it was one of the it was like three different genres it was the romance where they fall in love immediately the AIDS movie where they die horribly or the hate crime movies where like something happens and the gay character dies at the end or I it's think a it's terrible a, mixed match of all of it where somehow there's a vampire exactly and i think that's something that's really interesting is the fact that while this all was happening i think hollywood and the entertainment industry was figuring out what the portrayal of gay was and what sold the best and i think you saw that throughout the 90s with like the dv will and grace you had queer as folk you had um my so-called life in the in the late 90s you had um the L word all of these different movies and tv shows that had gay characters inserted inside of it. We're trying to figure out what that perfect and perfect character was. But I also find too that oftentimes in mainstream media, gay characters, and I'm not classifying this movie as mainstream media. It was done by TLA, which is, is a oh gay. Oh God. Yeah. That but I think noise. in mainstream media, right. But, <laughs> but I think that in mainstream media, gay people are often made to be these angelic, infallible characters who are just better than the rest. Harmless. And I think that's something way that is, to sell that to and yeah. I agree. Yeah. Completely. And, so and then and then somehow we completely lose all of that progress by creating Kevin Keller in the Riverdale series because that was the saddest, creepiest, most uncomfortable representation of an LGBT person I've ever seen. Period. It started off with such good intentions. <laughs> The TV show. Oh, the, the the comic was fantastic. Oh, the TV show is, <laughs> we have a whole thing on it. I can't talk about that. We're not going back. <laughs> okay, so that was the cutting room floor for this week. My thanks go out to Chad and Stuart for joining me. If you love the episode, amazing. If not, that's fine. I'd love to hear from you regardless. My Instagram is S-J-M-A-R-O-N-I. That's S-J Maroney. You can find more content for Rebel Without a Closet at R-W-A-C-P-O-D on Instagram. We'll be back on Saturday with a brand new episode and next Wednesday for The Cutting Room Floor. Talk to you then.